Hello and welcome to this episode of the Fifth Day State Podcast. Uh, my name is Cameron Blewett. I'm the host uh, and um, person behind the microphone. Anyway, as a plane flies over, um, <laughs> this is the joys of working from a home studio. Anyway, um, rubbish day today, and uh, yeah, missed the rubbish truck. So, anyway, um, been a while since I recorded an episode, so I might be a little bit rough around the edges on this one, so um, please bear with me while I get back into the swing of things. Sorry about that, just having a little bit of a drink. Um, anyway, um, where are we? There's so much crap going on in the world. Um, where do you start? Um, now, the, the, the thing that gets me is that there's all this focus about what's going on overseas. Now, I will admit, yes, it is a dreadful thing to happen and that uh, the uh, people of the country that's, you know, being invaded have the right to self-determination and everything like that and I'm not going to take sides on it uh, because I think it is a lot more complicated than what the the corrupt corporate press is, <coughs> is making it out to be. Um, so, yeah, I won't have too much to say on that rather apart from saying that uh, those, uh, let's say, um, globalist players um, at the World Economic Forum and all that sort of stuff are, you know, they're, they're pulling strings on things that we're not seeing and all we're seeing is a puppet show. We don't know what strings they're pulling. We don't know what's going on. Um, and I mean, what Putin is, uh, the, the, is what, um, heavily invested in the WEF and, and appeared at a lot of their Klaus Schwab's, uh, shows and presentations and all that sort of crap. And then on the other side of the top coin, um, George Soros, he's talking about, um, Zelensky and the Ukraine. So, yeah, I, I, I think we're getting played regardless of what's going on over there. We're getting played by the our government and the corrupt corporate press. So before you, you know, turn around and say, "Oh, you're on this side or that side," it's yeah, it's it's something that I think you need to spend more time looking at. And the what is it geopolitical um, landscape of, of that region is very very complex. So um, yeah, all I can say is that you know I support the the right of, of the people in the Ukraine to um, their, their right to self-determination and and everything like that. So, But anyway, um, moving right along, um, I know last episode I was talking about, uh, which was ages ago now, uh, Glenn Book's book, uh, The Great Reset. Now, it did come. Uh, I believe it is available again. There was a bit of a, um, a shortage because the first print outsold you know, completely sold out, and uh, now they've had to go into second print. From what he's been saying on his uh, podcast, is that there was problems with paper shortages and all that sort of stuff. So, anyway, um, as far as I know, it's back in stores. Um, so, if you can get a copy of it, get a copy of it. Uh, I think the the paper version is something that you will need. Uh, it's it's good to read and. But I'm about halfway through it now. It's just one of those things that you need to spend quite time reading it. And 
uh, a lot of the times that, that when I do sit down and read a book, distractions happen and everything like that. So I recommend that you do, uh, you know, give it give, give it the respect it's due. Um, anyway, just sit down and find, find somewhere where you can read it quietly without interruptions and spend the time reading it. There's going to be a lot that is... Uh, very deep and, uh, you know, it might go over your head. Some of it, uh, for, for me, has been hard to read. Uh, so, you know, obviously you can wait and see what uh, your view is like. But I do recommend it. It's uh, The book is called The Great Reset. Um, oh, where's my glasses? It's by Glenn Beck and it's called um, uh, The Great Reset, Joe Biden and the Rise of 21st Century Fascism. Uh, the if you have a look on your bookstores, Amazon and, and all that sort of stuff, you should be able to find it. Uh, now, this is one that I do recommend reading uh, and all that sort of stuff. As I said, it, it might be a bit of a challenge for you to get through it. Uh, I'm working my way through it as we speak. Oh, no, as we speak. But, um, have been for the last couple of weeks. It just said, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that you need to read Um yeah, give it give it the, the, the time to read it quietly. Uh, the next book that I've got after this one is um, Schwab's book about uh, COVID-19 and the Great Reset. And then uh, I think I've got some more by Alexander Dugan, uh, who's supposedly the, the big puppet master um, for what's going on over, over there in Russia. Uh, so we'll see what's happening with that one. Uh, anyway, so now going back to, back to this thing, people are... Something that's concerning for me is that people are, are freaking out about what's happening over there. Yet, if you have a look at things, the the politicians that we have in power at the state and federal level in this country are a far greater threat to to our existence than what is happening over there. Uh, you know, obviously, threat of nuclear war aside, because that, that changes everything. Um, once the first button's pushed, I think that that's it. Then once the first button is pushed, I think that's it. That's the that's the end for mankind. Uh, I don't think that there's any coming back from that. Uh, I don't think it's just going to be one bomb dropped somewhere and then that's it. I think it's just going to be salvo. So uh, it's going to be complete, utter annihilation of, of everything. So we shouldn't even worry about that. Um, so I, I, you know, it's the thing. It's what these politicians out here are doing. Uh, to this country that is going to create the pain for us and is going to either bring in the Great Reset and uh, ESG scores and social credit. You know, ESG scores are already here. Uh, though, you know, I'm talking about the social credit system and ESG attached to an individual. At the moment, it's only self-reporting by uh, companies that want to talk about their uh, ESG um, credentials. Uh for, for things like that. So anyway, yeah, yeah it's, it, it's not long. I don't think we have long before it comes in here. Um, that's why the elections this year in uh, federal elections and Victorian elections are going to, uh, you know, be something that, that people do need to pay attention to. Uh, now, the other thing I, I do recommend that you do, and I'll be doing it today, is contact your local member at the federal and state level and ask what they're going to do to stop the ESG scores coming for individuals and what they're doing to uh, prevent the great reset, great reset from happening out here in Australia. Now, if the uh, B 
person that you're talking to, obviously you're not going to be able to talk to the local, you know, the, 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 your elected representative themselves. Uh, if they don't know what you're talking about, then, you know, that should trigger alarm bells. Um, yeah, so it, it's the thing is that we need to be looking at this because this is what is coming. It's, uh, you know, the Reserve Bank put something out um, not long ago about looking at a central bank digital currency, which is what the World Economic Forum wants. Uh, the Reserve Bank is looking at their own digital currency. Um, was it, there was something on a sheet on Twitter about BlackRock uh, pushing ESG and the transition to reckon the war is, you know, this conflict overseas is going to um, increase the speed of the transition to electrical stuff. Um, yeah, it's it's something you got to look at and you know do what you can you know, educate yourself on the the Great Reset, what the ESG is, why. And ask yourself, why is that the federal government looking at, at passing digital identity legislation, which is then going to be tied to banking? Uh, Victorian government's doing a uh, committee hearing on handing over electoral powers to the Commonwealth. Now, that will be something that obviously is going to be tied to the digital identity. You need to flash your eye, you know, your, your, your phone to vote. Uh, are you going to be able to vote by phone? Who knows? But it's all tied to that. Um, you know, these uh, corrupt corporate entities have got us all paying by card, tap and go, um, pay wave and all that sort of crap, got us paying by that so we're not reliant on cash anymore. Um, our usage of cash is dropping. Uh, supposedly there is more cash in circulation now than there was, I think, a couple of years ago, though uh, the pundits are putting it down and that's because people were hoarding their money at the start of the work flu lockdowns and all that sort of stuff. Um but yeah, it's, you know, we, we've seen what happened in Canada with the, the truckers that, uh, you know, just the, the Prime Minister just turned around and said, no, if you're there, we're going to find you and cuts the banking off, cancels their insurance, does, um, I don't know where they cancel driver's licences and all, all that sort of stuff. But it's all tied to that and that is what life is going to be like. What happened in Canada with those truckers, what, that's what life is going to be like in Australia if the Great Reset takes place. You know, if that is allowed to happen out here, uh, you know, hopefully there's enough people that that push back and vote intelligently at the next election. Now, I disagree with what everyone else is saying about um, voting for what was it, freedom-focused minor parties or some whatever that that acronym was. Um, political parties are the problem. We need to get back to voting for genuine independence. Uh, and and that's I think that's the only way that we're going to improve the state and improve the nation. Um, political parties doesn't matter. Every political party starts off with the best intentions, and and this is what we're going to do, and this is what this is our vision for the future, and all that sort of kerfuffle. Then they get a couple of members in parliament, you know, they start getting more money, they get bigger, they get more members, and then that's when stubble trouble starts going on. I mean, you have a look at the Liberal Party these days. They're so far away from their roots that it's not funny. I mean, even have a look at the Labor Party. Um, you know, how far away are they from their traditional, uh, you know, roots of having come from the union movement and uh, and everything like that? You know, it's uh, it's it's just it's it's all corporates and you know everyone in for themselves. And you know, they are part of the evil ruling class. Or, you know, it's not the evil ruling class. It is just the evil class. Because if you say evil ruling class, then that implies that there's a good ruling class and blah, 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 blah. But no, these people are just evil, pure and simple as that. 
uh, have a look at um, what the Victorian Premier has done to this state and, you know, what he's continuing to do with his bullshit mandates and, uh, you know, his little uh, puppet, the Chief Health Officer was on Twitter today talking about, what is it, uh, Japanese encephalitis. Uh, it's being the mosquito-borne um, disease is increasing due to the wet weather and all that sort of stuff. So the water's not draining, creates more breeding grounds for mosquitoes, blah, 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 blah all that sort of stuff. So who's to say that, uh, you know, we're going to forget about word flu and in, actually, no, they're not because they're talking about a third booster and combined with a flu shot, uh, sorry, a second booster combined with a flu shot for the over-60s or something like that. Um, you know, he could turn around and say, hey, there's, you know, Japanese encephalitis, that's a, a, a disease of pandemic potential, so let's do this. We can't have people doing this. We can't have people doing that. And we've got no recourse. And it, this is the thing is that, you know, we, we need to get government out of our life. So we need to be voting for people that want to reduce the size of the government rather than increase it. And I know the Liberal Democrats are for that, though, as I said, it's a party structure that is the problem. So... I would be voting for genuine independents that want that. Forget all this bullshit about climate change and, and you know, green deals and, and all that sort of bullshit. We need, uh, people, we need to have people in parliament that want to reduce the size of government, not increase it. Uh, we've seen with the uh, electric car, electric vehicle bill or zero emission vehicles uh, that, that passed, I think it was last year or the year before, uh, that bill allows the government to look at your car any time it wants to check the speedo to see if you're, um, you know, you're filling out your logbook the right way. So, you know what? No, the, the government shouldn't be doing that. And, yeah, it's just, I don't know, man, it's just something we need to be getting government out of our life rather than opening our life more up to them. So, um, and, yeah, it, it's just this... You know, this, this evil class that have got no idea what they're doing. I, no, they do know what they're doing. They've got no idea what's going on outside of their little bubble. Um, two examples of that. Sally McManus did that tweet uh, Wednesday, Tuesday, whatever day it was, um, <coughs> pardon me, about uh, the New South Wales floods. Hey, you know, she wanted to reduce the dam uh, dam level, so the tweet was about getting Sydney Water to turn off the billing and just everyone turn their taps on until the dam goes down that way. And, you know, I, I wanted to give her the benefit of the doubt and believe that, the, that she's that daft that she doesn't understand that everyone putting that much water down the sewerage system all at once is likely to create massive problems and then it also... Uh, creates a situation where if the, the sewerage system gets overloaded, then all that's going to be coming up as well if it's not already. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's yeah, it, it's freaking baffling. And then uh, today there was a tweet from uh, asking people for their stories of, of how the uh, cost of living increases have impacted them and everything like that. And honestly, that's because they're that out of touch that they don't know what the forgotten person is feeling, what the forgotten person is going through. And, you know, it, it's the thing is that I'm sure she's going to use all these stories to have a crack at the federal government about this, or they should have done that and they should have done this. 
Yet what she fails to take into account is that a majority of the pain came from the actions of the state premiers and chief ministers. If they hadn't have shut down the economy for, you know, essentially two years, then we wouldn't have the, you know, the amount of, of increases that we are. Yes, I understand natural uh, disasters can cause havoc to, to supply chains and all that. I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the, the people having to uh, isolate because they're feeling crook and then whoever they got in contact with, for, if they spent more than 15 minutes in contact with them, they have to isolate as well. And that just decimates everything. It's just killed industries and businesses everywhere. Uh, and, you know, it's a thing then, yeah, it, it's just all, this is all the fault, I'll, I'll say it, it is all the fault of the state premiers and chief ministers. Um, they're the ones that have the power and the authority to close down businesses and follow bullshit uh, public health directions from their relevant, uh, relevant, yeah, the relevant chief health officers. So, yeah, it's just mm, one of those things is that, yep, it's the state's fault. Um, Commonwealth may have a little bit, uh, majority of it's the state's, um, you know, in, yeah, it can all go back to the, the problem of the states. Uh, so, yeah, it's mm, it's going to be an interesting election when it's held. Um, so what else is there? Oh, as I said, man, there's so much uh, that, that's going on. It's, it's hard to know where to start and where to stop and what to talk about. Um, just, yeah, I, actually, I, I wanted to talk about that shooting in Queensland a couple of days ago. Uh, where uh, a knife-wielding person came out of, a, I think it was a Kentucky Fried Chicken or KFC, and was shot by police. Now, I've watched the raw footage of that, and I think that is a perfect example of why police shouldn't have lethal weapons. And you know, it, yeah, it, it's one of those things. And combine that with that. Now, I understand that they're different jurisdictions. Though, compare what's happening in the Northern Territory at the moment, uh, I think the police officer's name is Zachary Wolf. Uh, he got stabbed with a pair of scissors when he was making an arrest of someone. Obviously, they had an arrest warrant for not appearing at court or something like that. So, and then shot the person um, three times and the person died. Now, um, this police officer is up on trial for the second two shots, which happened, you know, the, the three shots happened in a space of like seconds and, uh, you know, the, the prosecution's case is, yes, the first one was justified, the second two weren't. Now, I think it was a matter of two seconds between the first and second shot and, you know, so close between the second and third. Uh, I'm not going to quote any eating timings or anything like that, but it was a relatively short period of time. Now, this person is up on murder trial, uh, up on murder charges, you know, on trial for murder, and yet... There's nothing about these police officers that did this in Queensland. As I said, I understand different jurisdiction and everything like that. <clears throat> Though it, you know, it, it, it yeah, it, it shows, I think, politically motivated. Uh, obviously, there was a difference in the uh, identity or, or nationality uh, of the people, uh, the Northern Territory case was an Indigenous uh, person. The one in Queensland, I don't think he was. Uh, I don't believe that he was because there hasn't been anything said about that. Um, so now with this one in Marsden in Queensland, 
earlier on, so like only you know, 10, 15 minutes earlier on, that this person held a knife to uh, one of the cashier's throats. Now, yeah, yes, this, I'm not saying this person didn't deserve, you know, actually no, I will. He didn't need to be shot. Um, if the police had gone in at that time, I believe that the shooting could have been justified. Uh, very, very tight parameters, uh, though it's, yeah, it's a thing that's like the, the, with the case in the Northern Territory, this, um, the, the, the police officer that's on trial is part of um, an incident response team. I think that's what they're called. They're more specialised, so they go into high-risk situations. Now, that was because the day before, uh, the deceased individual had gone at police with, was it a machete or something like that, uh, and, and things like that. So, you know, it, it's it's the thing, and it just, they shouldn't have weapons, and it, yeah, it's the thing is that it's having a look at what happened in Victoria over the last 12 months, it's, you know, I'm getting to the point where, you know, we need to have something to protect ourselves from the police now, uh, not individually, I'm talking about the whole force and the, the corruption on that starts at the police minister. And actually, I'll even say it starts at the premier and then flows down to the police minister and then the, the politicised office of, of chief commissioner and goes from there. Um, you know, they have become the enforcement arm of the state. They're the ones that if the state doesn't like what you're doing, bang, they're the ones that will go out and enforce it. Whether those laws are right or not, they will still go out and enforce it. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's just something. I mean, have a look at um, what happened. Uh, what is it that came out recently about a 1,000 um, police officers, PSOs and um, watch house officers or something like that were incorrectly sworn in. So theoretically, you know, technically they what, they what they were doing and they were carrying a weapon for years unlawfully. And yet, this is the thing, as a civilian, I can't carry one myself without going through all this bullshit requiring to attend meets, participate in this, and yet all, all the police have to do is have an annual shoot. Oh, they've had a little bit of training. Um, if you have a look at the, if you compare the shooting of the average handgun, private handgun owner to the police, the private handgun owner goes through more training and everything like that, more shooting, more requirements to, to fire the weapon and everything like that than what the police officer does. The um, members of the, the police force can carry it whenever they want and it's open, whereas the person who goes to shoots every, you know, I think it's six shoots a year or something like that, <coughs> um, can't carry it themselves. All they can do is leave it in their safe, carry it to the event, and take it back home again or carry it to a, um, a gun shop or something like that. They can't concealed carry without, uh, obviously, and, you know, um, cash in transit and everything like that. I'm going to talk about them. The average person, they, they can't. You can't have something on yourself. And, you know, this is the thing. I, yeah, it's starting to think that the rules need to be changed, the laws need to be changed. And, you know, Victoria Police have too much power uh, there's the, uh, what is it, uh, Fortification Act or something like that that allows the Victorian police to decide whether or not your house has fortification or not and then I think it's applied to the courts or something like that to, to get that fortification removed. Now, 
the legislation, and, and be aware of this, the legislation says that a camera system outside of your house is deemed a fortification. So this is the thing, is that if you put cameras up around your house, there's going to be a period of time where that is illegal. And it this, like as I said, Victoria Police have too much power. They can call a control of weapons thing, gazette it, and then anyone within that period of, like that span of, of of time, you know, might be, you know, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. or 6 till midnight or something like that, in this designated area, the police can stop you and search you without a warrant and confiscate anything that can be used as a weapon. Now, anything can be literally used as a weapon. Your keys can be used as a weapon. Your pen can be used as a weapon. Uh, So they have the legal authority to confiscate it and this, you know, this is powers that they should not have. They should not be able to stop anyone without reason, search them and confiscate stuff and tell them to leave an area. That That is a power they should not have. And then there's the uh, firearm prevention order that supposedly is only left for, only reserved for, you know, outlaw motorcycle group riders and all that sort of shit. Well, you know, unlicensed firearm ownership is illegal in Victoria anyway, so why do they need a prevention order? And obviously to have a firearm, you've got to be a fit and proper person and have a genuine reason to have a firearm. So if a person from an outlaw motorcycle group gets pulled over for whatever, gets searched, they've got a firearm on them, well, you know what, they can be charged for that. Though this firearm preservation order allows the police to stop any vehicle that that person is in and search all the occupants of that vehicle. So if they're out with their family, going for a drive somewhere, the police can pull that car over and search everyone without warrant because that person has an FPO against them. And, you know, without reason, probable cause, or anything like that because they're associating with someone who has an FPO. Now, that is, you know, and, and let's not pretend for a minute this is about law and order and all that sort of crap. Because it's not. The police have the powers, they have the legislation there in the first place. They don't need to go this extra step with FPOs. Now, these FPOs will be broadened. They will be expanded. If you think for a nanosecond that they're not, you know what, mate, I've got a, I've got a bridge to sell you. And this is crap that we need to wind back. We need to wind back their authority. We need to wind back the powers that they have. They should not have them. Um... Was that guy that got crash tackled, spear tackled uh, in Flinders Street or whatever it is? Um, I think it was an acting sergeant or senior constable. I can't remember the rank. Came up behind this guy, dropped him in the ground, and you heard his head literally crack on the ground. Um, I don't know whether that officer is going to face serious discipline reaction. Um, that one may because it's a bit more politically sensitive. Uh, there was a guy, um, a mentally disabled person, Two, two or three years ago, I think it was, um, and five, four or five officers turned up to his house and, uh, you know, he had a freak out because there were that many people in his house. They ended up, you know, forcibly arresting him, like physically detaining him. He, his head got cracked against, <coughs> pardon me, a table or a bench or something like that um, and then they dragged him outside and something out of Anyway, the, the person ended up dying. Uh, those four officers were found not guilty. Um, and, you know, this is the thing. You know, if if people have 
the the lawful power to detain your liberty, the bar on using that needs to be set so freaking high it's not funny. And if they have the ability to carry lethal weapons and use them when they want to, the bar for them using that needs to be substantially high. This, you know, and, you know, it's a thing, man. It's, you know, yeah, it is... It is. I'll, I'll, I'll wait. Um, I'll wait till after the federal election to to talk more about that. Uh, I think it is something that you know we do need to be paying attention to. We do, we need to wind back the powers of all these organisations. Um, they've got too much power to get involved in our life. They've got too much power to um, upset our lives when they shouldn't. They, you know, we're all adults. Um, some of us are a little bit more mature and responsible than others, though we're still adults. If we're mature and responsible enough to vote, then we're mature and responsible enough to be able to live our own lives. And, you know, it, it, it's the thing. Um, yeah, we, we, we just need to do something about it and change the regime, drain the swamp in Spring Street, just take the gurney to it, flush everything out and start again um, and, yeah, so anyway, when it comes to it, I'll I'll go through and I'll count out how many acts and um, regulations and all that sort of bullshit that are in force in this state. Um, that obviously aren't talking about Commonwealth ones, which just go on and on and on and on, um, and all that sort of stuff. But anyway, um, that's about it for this one. I, I make a short one. As you can, I've got a bit of a cough. Um, I'm going to say this is long COVID. Um, I think it relates to the asthma that I developed when I got crook. Last year, I think it was, um, when I talk too much, I get the cough and just <coughs> um, and all that sort of stuff. So anyway, um, thanks for listening. Uh, plan to have another one out tomorrow. Um, get back into doing our regular podcast. So anyway, as I said, thanks for listening and bye for now.